All right, welcome back to another edition of the Physical Athletics Podcast. Adrian Bradis here along with Armando Aguilar, who is the Director of Strength and Conditioning out at Physical Athletics. And again, you can check out Physical Athletics, 2270 Joe Battle Boulevard. Check them out. Make an appointment with uh, Armando Aguilar, Director of Strength and Conditioning. And hey, Armando, great to uh, be back in, in the kind of swing of things after a little bit of a, a Christmas break hiatus. How's everything going, man? Everything's going well, man. How are you doing? Christmas is good for you? Christmas is great. I got a, a brand new mic thanks to you, which I'm very excited about. And uh, I'm very excited uh, today because we're going to be bringing on Coach Woodard, who's joining us from uh, Eastlake Women's, uh, excuse me, Girls Basketball. And I'm, I'm really excited to talk some hoops today with her and just kind of how this whole season has been. Coach, how's everything going? Everything's going good. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me on here. Um, I'm glad for the opportunity to be here to talk to you. Coach, I guess we should start off with your, your season and how it's been so far. I mean, you know, uh, not really talking anything in terms of the pandemic, because I feel like every time we jump on a podcast, we're talking pandemic stuff. Let's talk some hoops today. Uh, how's right. everything been with your with your squad so far? You told us off air that you've got a young team. What's what's this season been like for you guys? Well, I think it's, it's really been a learning experience for, for everybody. Um, we've had... We only have two players on our team right now that have any varsity experience. Um, we have two more, but uh, one unfortunately um, had a season career ending uh, or career ending concussion. Um, another one has uh, been injured, uh, hampered with a knee injury since the beginning. Uh, so we initially had four players with varsity experience and now we're down to two. So we are relatively a new look team, um, very young, you know, East Lake teams in the past have been really big, and I don't know if there's something in the water out there in Horizon, but every year we've gotten smaller, and, and now we, we essentially look like a, a squad of guards. Um, our tallest player is about 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, we did move up some freshmen who are giving us some height, but they're, they're learning a lot. So I think this year is a, big, a, a bit of a, a learning experience for everybody, understanding kind of the, the level of commitment, the level of uh, effort, the level of execution, that it's going to take to be successful at this, this level. And so our record doesn't reflect, I think, the strength of our team. We're one in six right now, which is unfamiliar territory for us. But I tell you, these girls are coming in every single day. They're working very hard. Uh, they're really focused on the details. And I think that's where they're understanding that success lies is in the details. And so we've, um, we've been in, in games, and every single game we've been in, um, we've had about a five-minute stretch that has really kind of determined the game and put it a little bit out of reach. But we never quit. We never stop. And that says a lot about, you know, who these young ladies are. Coach, what, what's, uh, can you just give us a little bit of your background into the sport and how you got started coaching and all that? Yeah, I'm, I'm a local product. I am a military brat, per se. I just didn't live the military life. But uh, my dad was in the military. Um, my parents were stationed at Fort Bliss. I was born and raised here, though. Um, I went to Hanks High School, uh, graduated uh, <coughs> in 1998, a few years ago. And, um, and I, I've been playing basketball since I was in fourth grade. I actually was in all, the only girl in an all-boys league for the first three years of my career. Um, I played at Hanks High School. I was blessed enough to play varsity four years. Um, I played on a great uh, summer team with uh, Pat O'Neill. He was our head coach and Russell Bl Bramlett. Um, and uh, every single person on our team was able to get a basketball scholarship, a division one or division two. I went to Boise State um, out of high school on a full ride scholarship. I played there for two years. Um, and then I decided to transfer. Um, and I transferred and I walked on to TCU 
and uh, I played there and finished my career. I was there a year and a half. Um, I ended up uh, breaking a bone in my foot after my red shirt year. And um, I ended up coming back, but I was there for a year and a half. Um, I, I played with them. I, I was a redshirt year and then I, I got to, I guess, play for about a semester before I got hurt. Um, and then I just went back to TCU after my injury and finished my career there. But uh, great experiences all around. I learned so much um, at TCU. I came in with a top four recruiting class in the nation. Um, and we ended up being a top 20 team while I was there. And so I, I just gained invaluable experience. My coach was Jeff Mitty, who's now the women's basketball coach at uh, K-State. Um, and he was there at, at TCU, I think, 14, 15 years. And I think he's been at K-State about four or five years now. Um, but I just have learned a wealth from my entire experience in the game. And I've hopefully tried to translate all the good that I've learned and, uh, into our program there at Eastlake. And um, I've been at Eastlake for 11 years. I started the program, uh, Grassroots. We were just a freshman team when we started. And uh, we, the second year, we uh, had a JV. Our third year, we went varsity with only juniors. And uh, it was really a, a learning experience there as well. And, and then I've, I've been there since. And I've, I'm very proud of what we've done with the program. Um, I'm very proud of the relationships I've built with the kids and the lessons that we've been able to instill in them along the way. There's just something so unique about having your own program, building it from the ground up. And I, I feel like there's just this different sort of pride in what and how you kind of coach your team. So I, I mean, I appreciate what you've done with this program in a big way. The fact that you come with so much, uh, you know, so much experience in your background. I, I think that's unbelievable, Coach. And uh, what, what has it been like kind of working with some of these girls and trying to uh, show them the ropes and letting them know, hey, look at where I've been. You could get there too. I'm I'm from El Paso. This is uh, right here for you to do as well. It, it's been a, an awesome experience. I think, you know, it's, it's the, the, the adage sticks, you know, uh, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And, and, you know, it's not all about the knowledge, but it's really that you're trying to pass on and instill that love of the game and that understanding of the discipline it takes uh, to get to the next level. And, you know, going through the process, I think players don't realize all the things you're trying to teach them. Um, I think we, we have pretty high expectations. Um, and I think I try to model those expectations myself. And I think it's when they come back, um, some of those who have gone on to play in college or just gone off into life uh, in general, and they realize all of those little lessons that we instilled in them and, and it, that it's not just about basketball, it's about life. Um, and I think that's when those rewards are, are reaped, when you get those messages from those players for five years later and say, you know what, I'm successful in my current career or I was successful in my college playing career because of the lessons you taught me. I think that's the biggest benefit for me. I mean, the wins and losses are great, but those fade away. It's those lasting relationships and the, the um, impact that you have on the, the student athlete's life that really uh, resonates with me. And that's why I continue to coach. Coach, uh, uh, how's your time as a, as a collegiate basketball player? I mean, obviously you played at two amazing programs. I mean, TCU, Boise State, uh, being a local player. But how's your time as a collegiate basketball player influence, influence your coaching philosophy? And how's it changed over the years from being a player and a, a young coach? And then, of course, now going 11 years uh, into this program, how's it changed for you? Um, it, you know, the experience impacted me tremendously. And, and I think I can resonate with so many players that um, are playing today. I, 
I've been in every situation there is to play basketball. I've been a starter. I've been a six man. I've been a, a bench player. You know, I've been a role player. So I've experienced everything and, and playing at a very high collegiate level, you have to learn quite tremendously. You've got to put your ego aside because as you hear, you know, you're playing with a bunch of players who were number one on their team. And then it's who's going to rise to the top. You know, and I played with some, some very tough players. I actually had a teammate from El Paso. Um, she was a real strong player and a really great cross country runner in the nineties. Her name was uh, Yvette Barrios and uh, she played for Clint high school and uh, she was a year ahead of me. And so I did have a local El Paso in to help guide me. And she took me under her wing and we both played the same position, but I, I learned a lot about work ethic. I learned a lot about consistency um, and it's not about one practice or fly by night. It's what you can do consistently that contributes uh, to your success. Going into my coaching career, and that's a great point, you say, as a young coach, I'm just coming from playing uh, Division I college basketball at a very high level. I, I'm sure I was a very tough coach at 24, 25, um, so much that um, my, my players at that time, it was, you know, if, if I was a freshman coach initially at Beller High School uh, in 0405, and um, if a player missed a varsity practice, they would send him to our practice as a a kind of punishment or whatever, because they knew that they weren't going to lose anything. I'd have boys basketball players say, hey, can we practice with you, coach? Um, you know, they're very tough, tough practices. And my level of expectation, extremely high, extremely high. Um, but the interesting thing is my approach has been very different as I've grown. You know, you learn. Um, I think at that point, it was really about a physical effective coaching. It's all about the the pound and the grind. And, and right now, it, you know, I've learned that really to touch players, it's gotta be a holistic approach, you know, mental, physical, emotional approach. And I think that is really where I've grown as a coach. My expectations definitely have not changed, but my approach changed. I think um, as I've grown older and, and um, you know, you kind of reflect, you see how to get the most out of your players. And, and as players have evolved, you know, uh, the players are very different, even from 10 years ago, coaching to the, the players I have today. Players are very different and you have to evolve with the game. You have to evolve with the situation to continue to get the most out of your players. And I, and that's where my real focus is on. How do I get the most out of them while not lowering expectations, but presenting information in a way that's going to be received, responded to, and then emitted at a high level from our players. I think I, I definitely, I can definitely, I, I know where, where you come from as far as, you know, going from a collegiate setting, uh, you know, starting uh, when I started working with young athletes, you know, as middle school and high school, you know, my same way, my level of expectations were, were, were quite high. Maybe at, at the beginning, it was a little bit more strict, but maybe it's because I was looking at them through the eyes of someone who, who had just been coaching at the collegiate setting. And then going down to, you know, starting with a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old, definitely things uh, have to change. And, of course, one has to modify their approach based on, on, on each individual athlete. So I, I can definitely uh, – that resonate, resonates quite a bit uh, with me. So, mm -hmm. And I think it's absolutely been for the better, but it's really funny to listen to the former players. They'll come and they'll visit a practice or – you were never that nice to us. You're so different. But every, every year, you know, the, the player's experience changes. And I'm like, I'm really not any different, right. you know, which is the approach. But it's really funny. I, I like listening to that and 
because everybody just had it so hard. <laughs> they wanted they wanted to appear that they had it so hard because can be easier for anybody after us. We went through the trenches, but right, it, right, it's right. been great. It's been great. Right with uh, with going back to obviously uh, you, uh, you playing there did uh, of course that that had a t- playing at TCU and Boise State that had quite a bit of an impact in your coaching career. Uh, but as far as uh, you know, I'm going to go into some of the training aspect of it. How much did you draw from uh, from those programs uh, from years ago into the current training that you you do with your team in their offseason, their preseason, uh, uh, right now as a, as a coach? Pretty much everything I do has been drawn from there. Um, you know, we experienced great success, definitely at TCU, um, great success. And so um, I've tried to model a lot of what we've done and appropriate it to a level that's uh, that is going to work for these young players um but what i've learned a lot is is pace um of course you've got to have pace in practice yeah um, you know scheduling um you've got to come into practice with a schedule you have to come into practice with a purpose um and it's got to flow um where there's very little downtime in our practices um and um you know we we sit in a, in a, in a drill maybe seven to eight minutes um we we really focus on what we need to do and then we move on. And as far as pace and practice and the types of drills we do, um, when I get reflections back from our, our players who are currently playing college basketball, we reflect a lot of what their practices are. So I feel very happy in that we're preparing them for that next level, um, that we're, we're working at a level, at a pace, at a, a level of expectation that's going to get them to success. Um, and as much as we try to, we focus on the details, that is probably the one thing that they say that there is a heightened expectation when you get to college. It's really the focus on the details. As a, in, in terms of our off-season preparation, our preseason preparation, um, you know, it's a mix of uh, strength, and, strength and conditioning, our agility, our, um, our long uh, distance work. Um, the way though that we train in, in the weight room is, is a little different. Um, we do a lot of auxiliary work these days, working on power and explosion, um, as opposed to, you know, we don't do a lot of back squats um, in, our, in our workouts anymore. Um, just from all the, the uh, you know, literature, I try to stay abreast on what's the best way to train athletes. So the, our approach to it, it's not super heavy, um, but it's auxiliary, you know, for reps and really maintaining strength we but we have a lot of little twinkies so this year we've got <laughs> i call them i say you guys are my, my little twinkies this year <laughs> like being your twinkies because you know we walk into a jam and um we we don't uh when you look at us we're, we're much smaller than the other teams and so you know given the situation we haven't had a lot of time in the weight room this year so we've really had to be really creative about how to build our strength and conditioning with our girls um but I, I feel like we haven't lost a step. We're not any less strong than any other team. It's just the approach is very different. Coach, you talked a little bit about adaptability with your, with your team and just having to kind of uh, see how the different ages have changed and all that kind of stuff, kind of going piggybacking off what Armando was talking about. When you're, when you're looking at how the game has changed over the past couple of years, being way more three-point heavy, um, now, you're, now you're getting to the basket and trying to get more fouls drawn at a higher level than ever before. How do you adapt in those kind of areas while still maintaining what some of the things that Armando was talking about, pre- preparing for things in 
strength and conditioning while also sharpening your skills with such a young team? Right. Well, this year was kind of an awesome experience in that, you know, we were given a little bit of extra time to work on a um, few things outside of workouts or outside of our class period. We were given that strength and conditioning hour. We're usually kind of limited in what we can do in the off season in terms of, of preparation. But I think for us, we try to be very fundamentally based. If we teach our fundamentals of the game, um, how to draw those fouls, how to get in with the, in the paint, um, you know, different techniques. We really work on the little details with them. Um, and I feel like sometimes um, kids are coming unprepared in that fundamental aspect of the game because the game is so flashy. Sometimes I think in their previous preparation, uh, the the level of fundamental uh, understanding is not there. So we, we really try to be as possible. And I think even with the changing of the game, if they understand the fundamentals, if they understand why, we try to build that IQ in them. Um, so it's not just a, a robotic reflex. They understand the game and what to do in the situation. And I think if they understand the game, they're able to adapt because otherwise you're, you're having to spoon feed them and it's not authentic basketball. Um, and that's what I don't want. I want them to be able to experience the game at a level where they can make decisions based on what the environment is. And I think if we can get them to that level at a high level, then regardless of the situation, they're going to be prepared and, and, and ready to excel in whatever situation they're in. You know, it's really interesting you say that because Rodney Terry, the Utah men's basketball coach, always preaches the simple play. Make the simple play and not mm -hmm. necessarily go off on the flashy play. Well, in the NBA, and in, in college hoops, right. we often see these point guards driving inside the paint, kicking it out to the perimeter, somebody hitting a three-pointer. But that doesn't always happen, especially, I mean, at the, the high school level where you're trying to, to really, really teach those fundamentals and preach those. Um, the, the simple play is the way to go, in my opinion. You just have to really focus on making that simple play in order to execute that and especially with the young team like you all have right I, I absolutely agree and, and you know you know if anybody's listening to this and want to scout us we're really vanilla in our approach to things uh, we try not to make it too complicated we give them options to make decisions and then how to make the best decision out of those options and I think that's the easiest thing because they want to do the flashy move um, and so you know, they'll do it. Uh, we'll coach them and correct them. But watching a lot of film and, and talking to them about, you know, look at it from this perspective, what would be the best decision? I think film has a, a really key aspect uh, in practices and in games because, you know, um, they come out of games and they're like, oh, yeah, we, we, you know, they feel really fired up. And then we go back and watch the film and they understand our, our perspective. Now they're like, oh, we truly get why you might not have been happy in this situation. So it's a, it's a process, you know, we teach, we review, we reflect, we adjust. Um, and that's just a, a cyclical process that you do throughout the season. Um, but we don't deviate very much from our particular game plan. I think um, we just teach, like I said, fundamentally sound principles uh, within the scope of our offense. And if we, can, if we can do that on a high level, I think it really makes it hard for teams to, to really pull away from us. I think, I think this is reflective in, in that even though we are so young, 
so inexperienced that we really have been able to hang in there for a, a fair amount of time. We have to learn to complete, com, uh, to complete 30, a 32 minute game. You know, I'm not going to say we're not, we've got to finish, figure out how to play a complete game, but we're able to hang into, into, into really in the 6A have a lot more experience. This the district does have a lot of new coaches. So, but the players themselves have been a part of the varsity program. They understand the type of game that you have to, to bring every day at a, at a varsity game. So there's a lot of uh, interesting cogs to this situation. And, I, and I, you know, it doesn't always reflect on the scoreboard. And, you know, I'm not focusing on that. I'm, I'm focusing on growing these players every day. And so that when we learn at the end of the season, you know, our, 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 our record might not reflect it, but if you look at yourself at day one and you look at yourself at the end of the season, how different of a player you are, that's where I can find um, pride and, and happiness in seeing them grow. I think that, that, that's a great perspective that you have of always uh, uh, maintaining consistency and, and working on the fundamentals. And of course, the stuff that you've learned as a, you know, as a coach over the years. And uh, uh, one thing I did want to get your, your opinion on is uh, you going out of high school straight into, into Boise state. Uh, how has the recruiting process, uh, college recruiting process changed over the years from when you were in high school, going into Boise state to what you see now and your advice to some of the athletes that, do aspire to play at the, uh, at the next level and, you know, what kind of sets them apart from going from D3, D2 and, and, and D1? Well, I, I want to, I want players to understand one that any the ability to play at any level in college should be uh, appreciated. Uh, the college game at all levels um, is, 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 is a tough game. It, there's no disrespect in playing a D3 or NAIA as opposed to an NCAA Division One. My husband specifically is a was a D3 football player from Michigan, and so we talk about you know the the nuances of the game, and it's really about that college playing experience. So one thing I want them to understand is that there is a place for them. There is a place for them, but they have to be really honest and. Uh, open about where that place is. You wanna to go to a place that's gonna fit you. But the recruiting process is, is very, very different. Um, you know, when I was in college or high school wanting to be recruited, um, you know, there were very few opportunities. You know, I played on a team out of El Paso that was eight, eight players, well, 12 players that were um, probably just kind of a collection of the best. Um, and, and I think that one thing really helped us. Um, in that we took all that talent and put it into one place. One thing I see is, you know, the talent is diluted a little bit in El Paso, and there's so many teams, and there might be really great players that are not getting looked at. And so because of that, players have to be extremely proactive in the process. They have the autonomy and the ability to reach out to coaches. They have to sell themselves, um, and they've got to start early. They've got to start early. The recruiting process is starting your freshman year, sometimes eighth grade. Now, coaches, uh, 2021 is sewed up for so many coaches. 22, 2022 may be sewed up for so many coaches. So at your, your freshman years, when you really have start, kind of start building that resume. Um, and if you're not getting recruited, if you're not actively getting those coaches coming to you, you're going to have to pursue that. One thing also I want uh, players to understand it is it's not about always being a scorer. I think that's, that's the one thing that the outside world is preaching to these students, these student athletes, is that if you're not scoring, nobody's looking 
at you. And that's really not true. You've got to be able to star in your role. You might be a great rebounder. You might be a great person who's going to erase the boards and just get extra opportunities for your team. You might need to be a lockdown defender. You might need to be the person who's going to get the ball to the, the best scorer. There's so many ways to get yourself looked at. And the problem is their focus is so much on scoring. They have to understand that coaches are not only looking at that. And, and I think that's where there's a big disconnect because the outside world is continuing to teach in that. But when you look from the inside world of sports, that is not the message that is being spread. It's just, I don't think they're looking in the, in the right spaces. I hope I answered that, that yes, question yes, yes, you did. well enough. Coach, on the same on the same lines, you know, when you're talking about college athletes and trying to get them prepared, how do you how do you encourage them to, or you know, just you know, give them the right information and educate them? I think that's a better word on just leaving El Paso and what are the proper steps to take? Because I think sometimes when people leave, and Armando and I have talked about this a lot, so when athletes leave El Paso at times, they get a little worried and they get homesick and they want to come back uh, to El Paso and be with their families, understandably so. But what are some of the ways that you kind of mentally prepare some of your athletes or maybe the athletes that you encounter when they, uh, before they go off to college, um, you know, along those lines? Um, I just really try to speak from experience. Um, I also try to get some of our players who have gone away to come back and reach back to these kids and help them understand that process that, that it is possible for them. And I, unfortunately that is the stigma that El Paso has and that hurts our student athletes today is that, Kids go, they leave for a year, and they come back, and uh, coaches are leery of um, bringing, bringing kids back. So it, it's really just a constant communicative process that, you know, you have to understand that I tell them, at least in our practice, that your hardest day in high school is still going to be easier than your easiest day in a collegiate practice. You know, so as much as we try to push you, this is not even the pinnacle of what you're going to experience. So one thing is I try to make our practices very demanding, um, push them at that level. Um, and, and then also outside of practice, you know, there's gotta be a lot of this, um, what you do in your personal life affects and what you do on your social media really affects us because coaches are looking at every aspect of your life and now they have so much more access into you Whereas before they might have had um, a highlight film, maybe some, um, you know, references from your, your high school coaches or your club coaches. Now they can look at your social media accounts. They, they have so much more access. So you have to be very cognizant of how you're presenting yourselves. That's, that's one thing. Um, another thing is right now we've got a college mentorship program going on uh, with our players. I have an independent person coming out who used to be a college coach who is guiding them through the steps. We meet with him monthly, uh, both our girls and boys basketball program, because, you know, it's, it's just funny, even as much as experience I, I believe I've had, sometimes hearing it from somebody else who's been there, it reinforces and it. it's really great when that person reinforces the things that we've already taught them. I think trying to give them multiple sources to hear the same type of information really um, embeds the lessons we're trying to teach them and helps them be more open-minded to what we're talking to them about in, in, in our program consistently. I think that's, that's, that's a great, do you, uh, with, uh, you mentioned the, you, you have some of the players going back to, to talk to the, uh, reach out to the players, you know, I'm sure you have uh, girls like Jessica and, and uh, uh, Cheyenne. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you try to set up like a meeting with all of them, you know, uh, Yes, when they're like in, a leader when they're in town, type of thing. 
Okay. Yeah. When, when they're in town, um, I have them come anytime they're here. I'm like, mm-hmm. look, you're going to have to talk impromptu. <laughs> um, what can you say? I'm always just trying to get them to lend their perspective. So anytime a player that's uh, formerly been in a program that has played collegially comes in, they have to be prepared to, to speak. It's just like a prerequisite. You walk in the gym, uh, we'll sit everybody down and we'll have that question and answer session. We had um, Cheyenne has really been following our program uh, quite closely since she left. Uh, the girls still talk to her. Uh, she sends messages of, as a, of advice and encouragement. Um, and, and a great thing for them is that they can watch her, um, you know, given our situation, so many games are being streamed. And, um, you know, Cheyenne was one of the most uh, um, highly decorated players in our program. She was a 2000 point scorer, all state player, two time, two, two years in a row, El Paso times, all city uh, player of the year. Um, she won every accolade possible. But the one thing that I think speaks volumes about her was her work ethic. Uh, she worked harder than anybody in the gym. She was there early. She stayed late. She never took a rep off, whether she was tired. She never made excuses. And, you know, it's very rare for a freshman to come in at the collegiate level and make an impact. And she's playing at the University of Mary Harden Baylor, um, who is a very strong D3 program. Um, They were in the Sweet 16, I believe, last year before the the season got canceled. Um, They've done really great things. And Slowly and surely, she's building up her minutes and becoming very successful in a very short time. I think they played six games, and her last outing, um, she played 29 minutes, had 10 points. Um, she's rotating between the one and the two. And then she comes back, and she's still the humble uh, player, the person that you've seen. So I think she's a great example. Um, we had another player, uh, Katie Aguide who was a 2016 grad from Eastlake, uh, went to Wellesley College in um, Boston. Um, and she was up for the um, freshman of the year, D3 freshman of the year, her, her first year out there. Um, I actually think she won that award. Um, but, and then she's come back several times. She's trained alongside them in the gym. They've seen her. Um, and I just think that is the biggest testament, having these kids see an example and, and uh, you know, Katie finished her collegiate career. She played four years out there at Wellesley. We had another young lady, Sam DeCruz, who went through three different schools, um, but was able to finish her career. Another young lady, Heather Crittenden, who also played at three different schools, but finished at UTPB. So we've had some players that have finished their collegiate career um, that have come straight from our program and are always willing to come back and speak to them. And I think that speaks volumes to these kids who saw them when they were probably like, 10, 12, 13, and now they're in their position and saying, I saw her do it. I saw her go through this program. I saw her be successful in her collegiate career, and I believe I can do it too. So I think just having that example and modeling that for them is the best thing that we could have. Coach, as we wind things down here, and, and you've been awesome. Thank you so much for all your time, and uh, especially on game day. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a really big thing to have for you to give us some time on game day. That's awesome. But, Coach, as we wind things down and you, you look toward the rest of this season, uh, a lot of athletes listen to this podcast, especially those who train in physical athletics, and especially um, – and, and especially something that has been really big um, with this, with this uh, college, um, I guess kind of college advisory kind of uh, process has been the idea of 
what you would do in a sense for um, for advice for these college athletes or high school athletes uh, and going through the pandemic and kind of what they would have to do if things were to shut down. So my question is, you know, uh, what are some of the advice and just kind of having these athletes just continue on uh, whatever they may have uh, going on right now? I think one of the things is embrace the situation. Um, whatever you have, whatever you have, wherever you're at, what resources you have, make the best of it. I, I firmly believe there's no such thing as excuses. We don't make excuses. We just find reasons to be successful. So in your issues or the situation that you're dealing with, find a reason to be successful. Is it you wanting to go play college career? Is it you wanting to be ready the first day your, uh, your, your number gets called? Um, and, and that's something we've actually had to preach to our lower levels. Um, varsity started playing uh, six weeks ago and Monday was the first day that our lower levels were able to get into the gym. And we talked about, we're not going to get ready when we get to the gym. We're going to stay ready. And you've got to stay ready for when your time comes. And so I think that really propelled them. You know, there was times that it was an up and down situation. We didn't know if they were going to have a season. Um, but I think the positivity and that encouragement and tell them it's going to happen. And if, even if it doesn't, um, you're not just here for this microcosm. You're preparing yourself for life. When obstacles come, how are you going to overcome that adversity? What are the best ways to do that? And that's really to fight through. Don't let obstacles shut you down, but only be a hurdle to propelling you to great things. And, and I think it's just really having them to maintain a positive mindset, to continue to work hard. And, you know, don't worry about what anybody else is saying. Just keep your head down and keep grinding. And at some point, it will, the sun will shine again. And we've seen that, you know, um, these guys are getting ready to play. Um, all the athletes who lost their seasons in the, the spring, it looks like they're full force ready to go. But if they sat out these last eight months, they didn't do anything. All of this time was for, for not. They have to make sure that when their time comes, they're ready so that they don't skip a beat. And that this is their recruiting time that they're ready. To go. So I guess that's the best advice I, I could give them. Well, Coach, thank you so much again. And Armando, thank you again for joining us on the Physical Athletics Podcast. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much, Coach. It was great catching up to you. We got to do this again. Yeah. Stop yeah, by and visit so me. We got to talk. So <laughs> There's so we many do, things that we got to talk about. <laughs> we, we do. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. All right. That'll wrap us up for another episode of the Physical Athletics Podcast. Like, subscribe, and rate. Uh, we'll be back next week with another edition. Uh, Happy New Year to both of you all, and we'll talk soon. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everyone. Thank you so much.